Well, hey, everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beach show. Really excited about tonight's program. Man, I got a special guest. You're not going to believe it. Vic Vital is going to join me for the second half of the show. First half, we're going to have a short first half. There wasn't a whole bunch of news to cover, but certainly there's enough for us to talk about. You know, I look at this Henry to Ocho transfer. I want to start there. I want to start there because it's not just Tennessee's best defensive player going to Alabama and, oh, my gosh, here goes Nick Saban again. To me, this is kind of an example of the spirit of the rule going out the window. When we heard about the transfer portal, when Greg Sankey talked about it, listen, I got a ton of respect for Commissioner Greg Sankey. And I understood a few years back when I was at those spring meetings, I understood why Greg Sankey was saying, hey, look, I transferred schools. Sometimes your first school's not your best school. I, 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 and you use that first person example. I remember Jeremy Pruitt was an advocate of this. Jeremy was a guy, started his career at Middle Tennessee State, went to Alabama, right? There's a lot of examples, you know, you look at, uh, uh, but, but, the, but the point I want to get to on this is the reason kids change schools or the reason they say they want these one-time transfers to be approved is if a kid's in a bad situation. It's not become that. It, Henry Toto was not in a bad situation. He was a star. He was a player that Tennessee had invested heavily in, that had recruited from California, that had put time playing time in the field, that had recruited around that had put in a leadership position. It wasn't like he was on the bench and didn't have a chance. It wasn't like he wasn't a big part of the program. And I use him as an example, and there'll be more. Um, there'll be more. There'll be more players that you'll point to and say, why did this guy leave? He was a starter. He's just leading to improve his situation. Arkansas had a receiver, you know, starting wide receiver. This guy's a great player. He's leaving going to Oklahoma. Why are you doing that, man? I mean, you got a good situation in Arkansas. You're a starter. They want a better situation. It's the free agency part. Now, there are situations, circumstances you look at and you try to give it a really close eye. I'm going to use Major Burns as an example. Most recently, Major went in the portal at Georgia. This one's a tough one for me. This one's a tough one because there is more to the story than just Major Burns wanting to go somewhere else. This is Major Burns having family in, in Louisiana and wanting to be closer. Like, this is a legit reason. Now, at the same time, George is heavily invested in Major Burns. And for Major Burns' benefit, Major Burns is next man up at safety. Something happens to Lewis Seen or Chris Smith, next man up, Major Burns. So I'm a little concerned that, well, what's going to happen if Major Burns goes to, let's say he goes to LSU. Is he the next man up there? Is he going to have the same opportunity? And if what if things don't work out? You've transferred once now. You don't get that one-time transfer again. So I'm a little concerned for what's best for major, but that's a family decision. So I sit back on that one and I go, okay, this isn't a guy that was starting. This is a guy who does have family considerations. I think we all know major's story at Georgia. Jeff Santel told the story. He did lose his father before he came to Georgia. I mean, there's more to the story than just football here. And this is where you go, okay, I got to think about this one, right? So the portal and the reasons why kids are leaving, you know, if Henry Toto would have gone back to California where he's from, I would have gone, well, yeah, 
but he's going from Knoxville to Tuscaloosa, man. That's free agency. I, I'm not a fan of football free agency. When we talk with Dick Vitale, the second half of the show here tonight on Ingles on the Beat, we're going to get Dick Vitale's take on this because you know Dickie V, he was a coach and he's been an analyst for years and years. He's heard all the stories. He's been in every gym and he's a guy I've got a lot of respect for. Uh, I've worked around Dick and, and with Dick. I had him on different shows. Uh, I got crossways with Dick once or twice, but I'll tell you, man, he's a champ. And and uh, and I think you're going to see that tonight because I've never known Dick Vitale not to have a good interview. Now, he's kind of new with the Zoom, he's telling me. So I don't know what the Zoom's going to be like because he doesn't have all those ESPN production people around him. But when he joins us the second half, we're going to get some opinions. And I'm going to ask him about Tom Crean in Georgia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him about that. I want to find out if he thinks Georgia basketball to be doing better and, and what he thinks about Tom uh, as a head coach, because I know there's been some feedback on that. But getting back to this transfer portal deal, uh, I, the other thought I had was this. Name, image, likeness. You saw that Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed that bill earlier this week in Athens, excuse me, uh, last late last week in Athens. And there was a provision that the schools in the state of Georgia could take up to 75%. Listen, that's not happening at the University of Georgia, though. Georgia has already said, we're not going to ask the kids to split name, image, likeness money. Now, the reason that provision was put in for some other schools was so that maybe they could split the money across the athletic department and some of the non-revenue sports. You know, maybe somebody... Uh, you know, wants to a sponsor wants to come along and 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 have it dispersed that way. And the NCAA also has talked in their proposed thoughts and meetings about this, that they have some interest in how this money might be spread out a little bit. Right. I know that uh, one of the people at Georgia was saying one of the Georgia uh, um, politicians was saying, hey, you got to have guys that will block for you, too. Right. If you're the running back or the star quarterback or whatnot. But uh, just to be official now, Georgia has said they are not going to ask those kids to split uh, NIL money. Now, this is supposed to take effect July 1st. It's still possible that there could be federal legislation that preempts it. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, but soon, very soon, July 1st, players. Now, I'll be interested to see how this looks. You all know that Georgia's hired a company to work with these kids and educate them on their social media, on their entrepreneurship strategies. Um, and uh, their background with money management. So there's a lot of things with college sports right now shaking out. It's moving so fast, and it's it, it, and we're still in this COVID thing, right? We're still dealing with COVID protocol issues everywhere. We're still not back to normal. There's going to be a new normal. I just I look around and I think about the last year and a half. I think about the last time I traveled on assignment. I flew to Indianapolis for the 2020 NFL Combine. And man, that seems like another lifetime ago. Everything's changed. This whole Zoom technology, you know, this has become the norm for all of us uh, and how we deal with things and how we watch sports. And, and now the rule changes that are coming as well, name, image, likeness, one-time transfer. You know, it's not the same game that we once knew. And I don't know what the effects of that are going to be. What I do know is that September 4th, Georgia's playing Clemson in a football game that everybody, the drums are really starting to beat. Everybody's starting to talk about it. Social media is lighting up. I'm seeing the Clemson fans coming out after Kirby. All of a sudden, I everybody coming after Kirby. I said, this is the way it is. When you're 45 years old 
and you've just got $170 million in facilities behind you, including an $80 million football building that George is going to open up for these recruits in June. Let me tell you, man, Kirby Smart has some people worried out there. And Clemson, they got some questions. They got to replace Trevor Lawrence. If, if, the next, if DJAU can't step in there and Clemson falls off, they may not get back up, right? I don't know. I'm not ready to say that Dabo Sweeney dominance is over. I got a lot of respect for Dabo. You guys know I covered Dabo. No Dabo. He's been good to me. I'm not ready to write off Clemson. But I'm going to tell you, Trevor Lawrence was a special guy, and he ain't there no more. And, and you know, last time he wasn't there, you know, they got it handed to him by Notre Dame. Notre Dame. With them, they beat Notre Dame 34 to 10, right? Without them, they get beat by Notre Dame. Just think about that. So Clemson's got some questions when they play Georgia in Charlotte on September 4th. One other thing I want to talk about before we get to our halftime Eagles uh, break and then on to Dick Vitale, the second half of the show, I want to talk about the expansion, the college football playoff expansion. You know, Russ Dellinger of SI does a fantastic job. His getting some information that eight of the 11 people want this expansion. Now, to me, it's not if, but when. We already know Kirby's ahead of the curve. You've looked at Georgia's future schedules. You see the UCLA's on there. You see the Oklahoma's on there. Listen, Kirby knows, and Josh Brooks knows, the AD, what they're doing. Georgia's setting up a schedule that's made for an eight-game or more playoff. Okay, that schedule is not made for a 14 playoff. You know, they're doing that because they recognize there's going to be a benefit to that schedule strength. Kirby's a planner. And Kirby being 45, he's going to be here for those games, right? I got questions about Saban. Now, listen, I Nick Saban, I got respect for him. But is he going to be here in eight years? I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying, is he? You know, is he scheduling for himself or for the next guy? Because I feel sorry for the next guy. Because he ain't going to be Nick Saban, I can tell you that. And, and he's going to have much more difficult schedules than Nick Saban uh, had to navigate uh, these years that he's been at Alabama, not taking anything away from him, just saying Crimson Tide schedules are going to be more difficult too. I admire Kirby for doing it because Kirby's going to be around, I believe, in, in, in coaching in a lot of these games. But you, one of the things to think about when you expand the playoff, I don't want to see the regular season water down. Part of what makes college football so special for me is that every weekend really is a playoff of sorts, right? You can't say hard and fast if you lose your season's done because we've seen one team playoffs or one team lost team, uh, one teams with one loss get in the playoff. We've seen that before. But I don't want to see it be where teams with three losses get in and regularly. And I don't want to see a bunch of wild card teams. I want the conference championship games to matter. There's five power five conference championship games I believe those in and of themselves are playoffs. So even though you might say you got eight at the end of the day, because I think that's where expansion is going. If you count those playoffs where there's a winner and the winner gets the automatic bid, those five teams that lost essentially were in a play in game. So, so now you're up to 13. I want to see something done for the group of five as well. Cincinnati proved something to me. I know Georgia was missing, you know, five or six guys. You know, I can go down the line. They were missing their first-round cornerback, Eric Stokes. They were missing their third-round linebacker, Monty Rice. Their third-round linebacker, or excuse me, third-round offensive lineman, Ben Cleveland. A third-round tight end didn't play in that football game. Mark Webb, seventh-round safety, didn't play. Georgia was missing a lot of NFL guys, all right? And yet, and still, I want to tip my cap to Cincinnati because I thought Cincinnati was legit. And in hindsight, they were more deserving than Notre Dame, which lost 34 to 10 to Clemson 
in the ACC title game and still got on. Man, that was wrong. The college football playoff committee got that wrong. That was as wrong as Georgia not getting in in 2018. That was wrong that Oklahoma got in ahead. You can't help it. You're going to have people with conflict of interest when you put together a committee. They may have the best intentions in the world, but folks, it, it is what it is. And there's a conflict of interest. If you work at a school and another school's success hurts you, you're going to go against them when it comes to giving them the benefit of the doubt because it has an effect on you. And you got to look at who's signing your paycheck. That's called loyalty, right? You can't have loyalty and also say there's not a conflict of interest. Which one is it going to be? It's just not realistic. Whether or not you expand the playoffs, which I think they will, you got to do something about the college football playoff committee. I've got the utmost respect. For Bill Hancock, by the way, the college football playoff committee chairman, we've had Bill on the program. There is nobody more respected in college football, in my opinion, than Bill Han. He is a man that is truly trusted, but I think he's been handed a flawed system. And the only reason people, a lot of people go with it is because Bill Hancock brings that credibility. But I, 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 I'm going to keep my ear to the ground because I know Bill talked recently about how they did listen to a committee about some different ideas. He's a smart guy. He's a man of the times. When it's time for the playoffs to expand, Bill Hancock will have a steady hand on the wheel, and I predict he'll make sure it's done right. I, I do think they've learned something from this college football playoff committee. I believe that that vehicle will change for how these teams are determined. That's why I want to see five automatics, right? I want to find a provision for the best group of five team to get in. I know you got to have some Notre Dame provision. They got their own network, NBC, the Notre Dame Broadcasting Company. I get it. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. I get it. I sort of get it. Doesn't mean I like it. But if they went 11 or 12, all right, all right. Maybe they get an automatic buy or whatever. Or put them in there with, you know, maybe put them in with the group of six. Maybe let Notre Dame play a group of six in a play-in uh, game. That'll be their college football playoff. Or, or put them up against an at-large and some sort of play-in because – the other thing you want is everybody have the same number of games. You know, I don't think it's fair that Notre Dame doesn't have to play in a conference championship game, right? You saw what happened when they did, by the way. But I think they, I think teams should have to have a conference championship game. To me, that way you got an 18 playoff, but if everybody is playing in some sort of conference championship game or play-in game, what you really have is 16. You really have 16 games to get to the 18 playoff. If you can go with five power five conference championship games, maybe one or two group of five play-ins mix Notre Dame into that pool, and then maybe have a couple of at larges that play in some play-in to me, that's what you got to have. Cause what you don't want to, you don't want to penalize the conference champions that play in a conference championship game and say, Oh, this guy, this, this over here, this was wild card team. Cause that's what happened in 2017. Alabama essentially got a bye. They benefited by not playing in the SEC championship game. That was one less game, Alabama. That wasn't right in hindsight, okay? So those are my thoughts on the college football playoff expansion. Some thoughts right there of the new bill that's being signed. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Josh Brooks, Georgia, going to try to do that right. But that vote on the college football playoff expansion, June 3rd, uh, spring meetings. Not sure how we're going to get to cover that. I know it's not in person. I'm hoping they're going to give us some Zoom access. Listen, we need to take a halftime break here, here on the Ingles on the Beat program. When we come back, Dick Vitale, Dick's first ever appearance on Dog Nation 
and I'm really looking forward to talking with him. I hope you enjoyed the segment. He always brings excitement. Um, not sure how this whole deal is going to go, but he's he's doing Zoom. He's doing it off his phone. So let's see how Dick's 81 years old. Let's see how he does it. So, uh, you know, Dick Vitale is a guy who has served college basketball for decades, literally 40 some years now and holds a, a gala events that raise millions of dollars for cancer. And you think about people that go all out and support and get things done to help their fellow man, right? That's what Dick Vitale does. You know who else does that? Ingles, right? Ingles, you know, frontline workers when we were going through the pandemic, um, people that put themselves out there to continue the supplies, to continue to support us as we work to support our families. I want to take this halftime break. I want to thank Ingles when we come back Dick Vitale joins us, but for now, let's listen to a word from our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for real. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back. promise now we're joined by espn's dickie v dick vital joins us here and so glad that you could make it dick and congratulations on another wonderful weekend saw your gala raised over six million dollars now i believe that's 44 million dollars for the v foundation pediatric cancer research congratulations on your great work well you know really a lot of people i got a great team you know my team really worked hard mike it was really tough this year we're dealing with a pandemic we're dealing with COVID-19. They restricted us because of the uh, situation with the pandemic. We couldn't sell out our normal 1,000. Uh, we usually get 1,000 people sell it out at the Ritz-Carlton Ballroom, beautiful resort, but they were limited to 500 because we had a space and do all the uh, things that you got to do to battle this disease in terms of uh, social distancing. So we spread the tables out, but we had 500 and 500 beautiful people. And we had a lot of big time celebrities join us. I mean, it's unbelievable. It was just amazing. Uh, when you think about Bruce Arians, we had champs in the room. I talked about, talk about champs. We had Scott Drew Baylor. He won a championship. Well, Lou Holtz, he's won some championships. Muffet McGraw won multiple women's titles. We had uh, Bruce Arians, Super Bowl champ. Jason Light, is GM, was with us. The president of the Bucks was with us. It was just a magnificent night. But most of all, the real winners, and Tom will tell you when you speak to them, the kids. We have my all courageous team, and we have about 12 youngsters. We have one youngster I spoke about to the crowd because I get to know these kids. I've gotten to know them. It's not just a one-time deal. They've been with me some of them five, six, seven years at the gala battling this dreaded disease. And I'll be honest with you, Mike, I, at the press conference, I couldn't hold it in. Uh, we had a big press conference. Scott Van Pelt was terrific. Uh, it was unbelievable. So was Muffin. And you mentioned Mullen was great. And so was Bruce was off the charts. Perel, he had people there. Several Auburn boosters were there, all donated six figures. Six figures. I mean, multiple guys. We had at least, I know of three Auburn people, might have been more, raised their hand and donated 100000 each of them. It's so touching. I talked about, I said, you know, talk about courage. I'll give you some courage. I made a kid stand, Weston Herman, 14 years old. He's in his fourth battle. Fourth battle with brain cancer. Four times. He's had two brain surgeries, and he's a terrific, Mike. 
off the charts hockey player. This kid, what ability. And the first time I got to meet him was 10 years old. I'm in a restaurant and I'm eating with my wife and one of my buddies was with me. We were at the Capitol Grill. And all of a sudden this beautiful couple walks in and he stopped at my table and he said, Dickie V, I want to thank you, man. Because what you're doing for kids affects us. Our son, Weston, has brain cancer. And I liked them. Something about them, it just you liked them right away. I said, sit down and join me. And about, I shared this story at the, when I spoke to the crowd. About 40 minutes into when his father takes out an iPhone, he says, I got to show you this. Take a look at my guy, Weston, 10 years old. I couldn't believe what I was watching in hockey. His quickness, his explosiveness, his touch. It blew me away. He's playing against older kids, scoring that well. So we get in the car. I'm very good friends with the coach of the Lightning, John Cooper. So I tell my wife, get Cooper on the phone for me while I'm driving. So I get him on the phone. I said, John, I just met this kid, his father. The kid's got brain cancer. And I said, you can't believe his skills. Do me a favor. I said, I want a wet Lightning shirt, number one, Weston on the back, his name. Surprise, I want to surprise him with it. John Cooper is one of the greatest coaches. Never forgot where he came from. He says to me, come on, man. I can do better than that, Dick. Bring him up and let him skate with Stamkos and skate with all the players. Wow. Mike, you talk about a thrill. And they practically have adopted him since. And now he's in his fourth battle. When his father called me up earlier this year and said, I get some bad news. I can't believe it because he's doing so well. He's three years in remission. We went for a quarterly test, and they said the cancer's come back. And he has to do 52 weeks of chemo. And he said about three months ago, I guess it was four months ago, he called me up. He said, he told the doctor after he did chemo, I'm playing hockey tonight. And the doctor said, play hockey. I ain't going to play hockey tonight. I'm playing hockey. Father told me, Jared, a great guy, he called me up. He says, he's throwing up in the car. He's throwing up on the lawn. He said, he's in our house putting his hockey uniform and goes to play that made the papers. And I sent it to everybody. And then, I couldn't believe it. He scored three goals, two assists, and here's the kid. Talk about courage. So I took the at the dentist, the Arians, and said, how would you like to have him on the Bucks team, man? Talk about toughness. Then we had another youngster, Joshua Fisher, beautiful, good-looking kid, 1,250 doses of chemo, 13 years old, and smiling. And we had a girl from your area, right down there. Her name is Makari Tarpley. She came by the way of a football guy playing the NFL. Rob Robertson called me about her. She used to tour. She toured with Disney, was one of the stars of Lion King, touring all over. And at 14, she came down with Hodgkin's disease and obviously doing all the chemo and all. And I contacted her. And she came with her mom and dad as one of my all courageous kids. Oh, my God. You just see her electrify the crowd by my house. The next day we have a post-gala celebration. She asked if she could sing. I said, get do it. The place could not believe. We had an agent here, Mike. We had a big time agent at the, at the event. He comes running over to me and says, hey, I got to get her my email address, man. Oh, she's so good. An African-American girl that just had such style. Just, just tremendous person. Tremendous. Great mom and dad. And we know. So we have a magical event. And I think when people see the real thing, see, these are normal kids. You know, Mike, as you and I, as I told the crowd, I said, well, we're here today celebrating. We're having a great time raising a lot of money. You know what? Every day, 45 to 50 mothers and fathers are going home and they're hearing four words, 
that no mom and dad ever wants to hear. Your child has cancer. And as a woman told me, the reason I got so, not the press conference, I'm telling you, I lost my, I lost it for two reasons. One reason, one of the parents there told me, please give my little child a, a hug because I don't know if he's going to be here next year. And then another mother told me, she said, when you get the word that your child has cancer, I never thought of it like this. She said, it's a life sentence. It's a lifetime. You're, you, you, you got a life sentence now. It affects the families. Every time they tell you, these kids, I get to know them, their families tell me, as soon as they get a fever or a cold or something, a headache, what's the first thought? Oh, my God, please don't tell me it's coming back. So, you know, Mike, we've done that. I don't want to talk about basketball here, too, but it, it's been probably, you know, I've been blessed. I'm in 14 Hall of Fames. I can't run. I can't jump. I can't shoot. I got a body by Linguini. But I'm there because all my life I've tried to have passion, pride, and be good to people. And one thing I wrapped up in my speech with them, I said, you know what our nation needs? What this room is about. This room is filled with love. L-O-V-E. We have too much hate, man. I said, we got to all unite, black, white, rich, poor, Christian, Jewish, Muslim. It doesn't matter. We got to unite and need more love. I said, my mom taught me. I'm telling you exactly what I said there. My mom taught me, and I do some my motivational speaking because it's so true. My mother and father weren't educated. They didn't have a formal education, but they had a doctorate of law. And she'd always tell me, my mom and dad, all the time, Richie was never dick. I lost my eyes as a kid. I thought it was the end of the world. So, Richie, big deal. I don't want to hear about can't. You have one eye, big deal. You can do what you want to be, and you can be somebody. You got a lot of energy, enthusiasm. Don't let that stop you. And then she would always tell me, he would say, Mike, Richie, treat people how you want to be treated. And if you do that, you'll really have a lot of good fun. People have been so nice to me. I mean, really, uh, uh, you know, people have been great. And it's just, this is my way. I mean, I can't believe people come up to me all the time. Come on. I've read in the paper, you're 81 years old. There's no way you're 81. But I am. And I can't stop that clock. And my clock is running. And I'm in the last chapter, probably. And I want to make it, I want to make it the best. Well, you have, man. I'll tell you, Dick, I've read your book. It's fantastic. The work you do championing people, whether it's basketball, certainly what you've done for cancer research, raising this money for these children and their parents, helping them have better lives, giving them a better opportunity, man. You can't ask for more than that. And certainly the success that you've had you've really made it count. It's, it's, it's about the people with you. And when you do your broadcast, everywhere you go, that's the show. I know a lot of people celebrate Dick Vitale, but part of the reason they celebrate you, Dick, is because of the way you champion other people in these markets and these games that you go to. And certainly the way that you've represented yourself, uh, helping to raise these funds for the cancer research at your annual galas. This is incredible. And uh, I really thank you for telling that part of the story. That is awesome. And that's one of the things you get when we talk with Dick Vitale. This is a man of the people. This is a man that cares uh, about the people around him and serves them. And I, I don't know what more you could ask him of any celebrity. So, you, you know, you thank your fans. And I know your fans thank you as well, Dick. Certainly, we appreciate you joining us here to talk about basketball because, you know, things have been a little different now. You know, we had that that horrible cancellation last year, we were all dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, we all are to this day, to some extent, 
thank goodness we were able to have a basketball tournament. But, but hey, man, I had John here to talk about George basketball. You know, I've been down here a few years now, and you know me. I've covered Tennessee and Michigan State, uh, been down there in Alabama and Auburn. And I guess I want to get your perspective as someone who's covered the nation. You know, Georgia's only won one regular season title in the SEC, Dick, and, and two SEC tournaments. And I look at this place and I go, now, why is this? You've been to Stegman Coliseum. You've been to this state. What do you think the issue is with Georgia basketball? What are your thoughts on Georgia basketball? Well, first of all, you know, I thought they hit a home run when they hired Tom Crean. I love his energy, his enthusiasm. People forget, I read an article you wrote, and you documented it. Can a guy coach? Come on, man. He took Marquette to the final, to the final four. He beat a Kentucky team that year with D. Wade. That was unbelievable. I, I think, I may be wrong. Kentucky might have had one loss, I think, at the time, or maybe no losses. But it was a great Kentucky team, knocked them out to go to the Final Four. He did an amazing job at Indiana. Came in Indiana in a tough, tough situation. Came there when they were NCAA problems, the whole bit. And he won in several Big Ten titles, the toughest of the Big Ten. He beat Kentucky one year in the NCAA tournament to advance. I mean, the guy could coach. Anybody doesn't think he could coach is out of their mind. One of the problems right now in the SEC, is the talent level in the certain place like Kentucky. You talk about winning the SC. Well, they almost win it, well, win it regularly. So you're dealing there with that. Then you had Florida's come on strong. And now you got Tennessee and you got Auburn and you got LSU and right down the line. So it's very, very difficult. And I think one of the tough things, and I know it, he's working hard and in hell to try and get it done, is trying to keep those kids in Georgia. Why so many of them don't think they should play at the state university. To me, you got to turn that baby around. When I went to Detroit, when I went to this, you're not going to get kids here. Detroit, Michigan, I don't buy that. I never believe in camp because my mother taught me that. And we went out and we got guys that became NBA players, John Long, Terry Tyler, Terry Dura, or Curitan became with us. Bottom line is you got to get those star players. And if you can break that barrier and get one or two to start it rolling, and that's been something that's not happened. And now you're compounded with this unbelievable wackiness of this transfer portal. I mean, come on. It has taken this. I was telling someone before I, I did your interview, I was on another radio show, and they were asking about it. And I said, well, put it in perspective. You know, between my gal, I'm staying on top of stuff because I'm probably going to do a new book. Uh, me, my, I can't believe it. What's the writer wrote? Chad, he's joking around. He put his columns. In. I said, I think if he's got six books, that's probably six more than he ever read. And he says, he's right, except now it's like 13 books. <laughs> and it'll probably be 14. But the bottom line is, one of the things I'm going to talk about change. The change now with the portal, Mike, there's 1,500. The people hear me here. 1,500 kids in a portal. Well, you don't have to go to Harvard to figure it out or Yale. If you got 350 teams playing approximately Division One basketball, that's like five players a team. What was put in, Mike, was really with intent to do something positive, to allow kids to transfer who maybe are unhappy because they're not getting play in time, and they leave, and they go somewhere, let them play right away. But you know what's happened? The wheeling and dealing, and the coaches I've been talking to, and I mean multiple coaches, they say coaches are operating behind the scenes, getting words out to AAU guys, to high school guys, to whoever their runners are. Hey, 
Tell him if he puts his name in a portal, we're going to go after him. So what you have now, you get the stars of all the teams. I mean, I saw with Syracuse University, ready for this, the women's team, 11 players trans, all 11. 11. Come on, that, that's not the intent. How the NCAA could sit back and tell me this is good for basketball is crazy. Just like, I don't know how they could sit back. You're going to get me fired up on this stuff. How, how they could sit back, Mike, and tell me in five years, you know, the school's being charged. I had a coach today talk to me. I'm not going to mention the school's name. People can use their own intent. They're signing great players. Well, the school's been charged, charged with numerous violations, allegations galore. We have a number of schools. This is public information. Number of schools that have had allegations come their way and charges almost five years ago and no decisions made. Your coaches still operate, getting players, you know, taking away players from schools that maybe would get those kids if a penalty. When the bottom line is, if whether it's innocent or guilt, if you can't make a decision as an organization in two years, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We're going in the fifth year from when that FBI investigation came out. Coaches talking about buying players on tape. Now, come on, give me a break. It's unbelievable. And you're right. It, it does kind of unbalance the playing field. And, you know, to your point, we look at what Tom Crane's trying to do at Georgia. And, and, and it's tough. You know, these are choppy waters. These are shark infested waters, to your point. Uh, certainly, Dick, you know, there's some tremendous talent that comes out of Atlanta. And while that benefits Georgia, that's also one of the most heavily recruited cities uh, in the country because they do have such fantastic AAU basketball. So that's the kind of the good news, bad news is, yeah, there's a lot of talent, but because there's a lot of talent, it attracts everyone. And so that means good and bad, or and it's very difficult for Tom Cream. But I look at what he's done with the offense. And like I said, you've done you've done a lot of basketball. You've done every game, every week. Uh-huh. There's not a gym you haven't. I, I, there's probably not a gym you haven't been in. But the way he coaches offensive basketball, Dick, I get the feeling that this isn't what Tom Crean wants. I'm going to be clear on that. I've talked to him. He's not a fan of this multiple portal. He likes the kids to have rights, but he doesn't want to see five and six and seven guys coming and going every year. But the way this is built and the way he coaches, I'm thinking Tom Crean could be a guy that can thrive putting teams together quickly because of his experience in Indiana because what you saw him do at Georgia with a better record each of the last three years. Well, I'm hoping they make an adjustment with this rule situation. Look at the numbers. The numbers, you know, one of the big cries you get, well, coaches leave, right? And they go out and they coach immediately. Well, Mike, you solved that in one second. You have to be a genius. I'm a dummy and I can solve that. No, you solve it. Very simple. First of all, that argument is ridiculous because it's not apples to apples. You got 1,500 players. You don't have 1,500 coaches transferred or going, losing jobs, 30, 40, 50 a year for most. Bottom line is, so here's the thing. You put a little stipulation. If a coach is fired or if a coach leaves, those players on that team, they have the right to go and play immediately. So that was, so that argument's history. But I think what they've opened up is not only the Pandora with breaking up rosters, I think cheating behind the scenes, I think wheeling and dealing behind the scenes, it is ugly. No question, no question. You know, what is wrong? Let, let me ask this, Mike, said. as well. What is, what is wrong with a kid learning in life? That, you know, in life, you don't just get up and leave every situation. Come on, you just don't do that. 
I mean, life is you get a job, you got to battle through it, the tough times, illnesses at home. You're teaching kids the wrong values. And then what about loyalty? Does that ever enter the picture? Loyalty, dedication to someone, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, as kids go, we got kids. Ready for this? I don't remember the name now. It's slipping me. I think it was Moore. I'm not sure. Started his career off at California. Then he transferred, went to Kansas. Didn't get to play like he thought he would at Kansas. So he went to DePaul. And now I just read, he's transferring again to Miami. Is that what college is supposed to be, athletics? Come on. Is that? I, I don't understand. I believe in giving kids freedom. Yeah. You're going to free mature. And let's look this way. In the NBA, can you, other than the star players, when they say we want to move, players, you sign a contract, man. That's part of the deal. You got to stay there. You got to honor it. You got to, unless you're a great, great player, then you make demands. We're not going to re-up. And, and they put you in a position where they make you have to make the move and get rid of them. But the bottom line is life is, you just, you sign a contract to work with a corporation. All right. Let's say in television. I signed a contract with ESPN, which I did just recently. I got a multiple years left on my deal, three years. I just can't get up and say, I'm going to go, I'm screwed up. I'm going with CBS or I'm going here, there. I mean, that's not life. So what is wrong? Mark Few said it to me once, and he said it really well. I've had kids transfer. They're unhappy a little bit of playing time. They sit the year out. They re-energize. They work on their game. They get better at what they do. They get their steady habits going, come back, and they end up going to the NBA. I mean, that's sometimes that transfer is good for that kid. I'm not saying, look, transfer sometimes is a good thing for a kid. Just like sometimes in marriage, Mike. Sometimes in marriage, I'm going on my 50th year with my wife on May 22nd. But uh, uh, I'm just saying this. Sometimes in marriage, though, a divorce is best for both parties, for the whole group to move on. I'm not saying that is wrong, but I'm saying what's happening now is wrong. 1,500. Come on, that's sickening. Yeah, 1,570 as of today. They got a tracker on it. I, I want to ask you about name image likeness, Dick. We're just starting to wade into it. I, I know there's a lot of questions in terms of how it's going to go down, but it seems like it's going to happen with different states. I know Florida, Georgia signed a bill. Do you think this could stabilize kids a little bit if they get this name image likeness deal at the school that they're at? Maybe this will you know, make them want to stick around because they have this deal in place. Is this a good thing for players? And do you think maybe maybe players will learn that I mean, obviously, there's a handful of your diaper dandies, as you like to call them, the guys that come out that everybody knows about. But most of the kids, I don't think most of the kids are going to get the kind of name image likeness deal that maybe they think they might. Well, it's going to be mostly some of the star players. I think the monitoring, I, I have no problem with them now. With all the dollars being made, I mean, coaches are making Big time dollars. We make in television. We make a pretty good living. Uh, you got down there the guys in the you know NCA, the higher ups, Emmett and them. They do fairly well. I have no problem. We're in a new era. I remember when kids when you played the uh, uh, Olympics, it was all amateur, no money. Now they pay them. So I have no problem. Now, only question I have, and it's a big question: How do you monitor this, and how do you determine? I mean, what school? You can't get quite a bunch. I mean, you'll have a Whatever, if you say, well, whatever school wants to get, I mean, that'd be, that'd be crazy. So I don't know how they're going to come to the realization of making this work effectively. I think it's a good idea. I think kids should. For example, if a kid wanted to come to my gala and somebody wanted to sponsor them to come to the gala, why not? 
What's wrong with that? What about if a superstar kid is Jersey? Get some money off his Jersey. Why not? I, I, I think some of the rules we have are so archaic, they're crazy. But the bottom line is, I think now you're going to really, they better hire a lot of, they're going to have to hire a lot more investigators, man, to be on top of what's going on. Because you're opening up a door that's going to be really unique. Yeah, a lot, a lot more lawyers, Dick. Hey, listen, man, I've, I've taken a lot of your time. I want to thank you for coming on here and giving us some perspective on your thoughts on the transfer portal, your thoughts on the, you know, the NIL and, and Coach Crane and what's happening at Georgia. You know, he's going into year four and a guy you've known and covered a long time. I remember seeing you at those Michigan State-Indiana battles. You know, yep. you were calling the games, man. And, you know, I'll take this, and I think that everybody that's watching here on our AJC Dog Nation channel knows it. You know, when Dick Vitale is in the house, we know it's a special game. You still carry that. Or I guess I would ask you, Dick, before you go, do you have any favorite arenas or favorite games? Because, man, I know you've done thousands of them. But when I say favorites and, and things you like, what stands out to you? Well, it's always a thrill going down to Rupp, uh, Rupp Arena, the, the pageantry, the passion they have down there almost to a fault sometimes because they just go crazy when they lose. Oh, my God, you got to watch out. They buy a lot of mailocks, man. A lot of those Pepto-Bismol gets rolling when they're losing. But I I'll tell you this. That's a beautiful place, passionate fans. You know, Duke, go to that small arena, uh, right on top of the court, the enthusiasm, the energy, the Cameron crazies. Uh, certainly Kansas, rock chalk, jaywalk. You walk in there, you goosebumps, the way they start to chant rock chalk, jaywalk. And there's been so many places that it's just so special. You know, Michigan State, time is always the is zone. Um, great, great. But let me tell you about time period. One of the greatest games I ever did, and I, I'm doing this now. Let me think. 42 years in the bank. I got my goal is to work till I'm 100. <laughs> People are laughing at me. Don't bet against me. I only got 18 more years to go. What's 18 years? And 18 more shots. So, anyway, bottom line is I did the game. Kentucky came in number one. Kentucky came in with that great team with Anthony Davis and all those superstars. They were number one, undefeated. And Tom Queen had his kids fired up. Oh, I was in his office. Before the game, a couple hours before. And I tell him, I said, man, you are really his dick. Dude, we're gonna we're, we're gonna play today. We're gonna play. I can tell you my kids are so practiced today. And they played. They won a game on the kid Watford. It's a jumper to win the game at the buzzer. Dan Schumann and I. It was just a magical moment. That place was rocking. There's never been doubt in my mind. I covered his games against Louisville. Great matchups when he was at Marquette, when they go head-to-head -head with Louisville in their conference. And I tell you one thing, it was never doubt. Watch him in practice teaching. His intensity is contagious. But the bottom line is, you know and I know, the key in the game of college basketball, you can coach, you can coach all you want. It's about players. you got to get players. And you can't just – I mean, some of these schools are getting just incredible, incredible talent. I um, I know when I went to the NBA, I got fired. I got fired my second year. I got the Ziggy. I was called the Ziggy. 12 games in my second year. And I was the reason I got fired. The owner treated me like royalty. But I couldn't handle the losing. It just crushed me. And it said to me, Dick, Dick, we know it's a five-year deal. At least you want to get it done right away. So I don't care about that, man. 
five years. I want to win now. Are you kidding me? I didn't lose all my life. Won high school state championships. I go to Rutgers. They said we couldn't get recruits. We ended up in the best recruiting class in the country, and they went to the Final Four. A lot of people don't know this. 1976, named the Final Four. You had UCLA. You had Michigan, you had the shy, introverted Bob Knight at Indiana with their unbeaten team, and you had Rutgers. Rutgers was the fourth school where kids we recruited. Phil Sellers, Mike Dabney, because I never believed in Kent. I go to Detroit, they tell me, oh, you can't get these kids, Michigan, Michigan State. Well, we won 21 in a row my last year. At one time, we beat Marquette in February in Milwaukee, and two months later, they won the national title. We go to the Sweet 16, and we go to the last Oh, my God, the last minute, we get beat by the number one team in the country, which was Michigan, and we get beat in the last minute, or else I think we could win that game. We had a chance to win a national title. My kids felt we could beat market. We did it on their floor, and we were good. My point I'm making, I got players. You can't just do it without players. And right now, the, the level of talent he has does not come up with the level that's going to Auburn and going to Kentucky and going to Tennessee and those places. Tom can flat out coach. If he gets a little lucky in recruiting, they will see a masterpiece because he can coach. He can put people and he does things the right way. You don't hear his name being mentioned with allegations and things of that nature. Tom is a good guy. His wife, Joni. And I think that when they hired him, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Georgia definitely hit a slam dunk. I really did. And I get upset when I read people say, I can't coach. He can't. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He's just a little bit in a bad cycle right now in terms of player personnel. Well, man, I'll tell you what, like I said, you've seen it all. I've I've had you cover games I've covered and I've seen you from every angle, Dick. Like I said, (laughs) I'm always excited when I see the assignments and when I know you're there because I know it's a big game. The crowd gets into it when you're there. It just enhances the whole environment, man. So you're doing a no, lot. I get right. it. And what I you get said it at it the beginning, stuff. how you're how you're raising this money at the at the galas. I mean, to me, that's the icing on the cake, man. Not only are you an entertainer and an informer for the sport of basketball, but a humanitarian. And I just can't I can't thank you enough for the example that you set. You really set the bar, Dick, for a lot of these guys that are in their business. And the way you give back is just it's incredible. I just, I can't thank well, you enough for your efforts. You know, I, I feel giving back should be a normal thing. I mean, I've lived in a life that succeeded any dream for me. And when I look at the home I live in, a place that I go, so why not? The game has been so good to me. But Mike, let me just say this in closing with you. You've been prepared. I can tell, man, you know your stuff, you're prepared. So if I'm on TV right now, Mike, I would be saying, my guy, Mike Griffin, are you kidding me? He's a PTP. He's prime time performer, man. He's a big timer. There's no doubt about it. And then you talk about Mike. He's the 3S man. He's super scintillating, sensational, and he's solid gold. And most of all, he is awesome, baby, with a capital A. You keep giving your opinions and give them, and don't let these people who don't know. That's the one thing with Twitter and social media. We got 99% people are good, but there's a group there. No matter what they are, who they are, they want to take shots and rip people, bury people and knock people down. And you know what? We just got to let that go. and Just go on, do your job. And that's what I told Tom too. just do what you do, my friend. Just go out there, keep working and working. And I'm telling you, I don't like the idea what we have with the transfer portal. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. I believe in giving kids freedom, but this is beyond freedom. This is beyond freedom. When you got stars, 
secrets. It's like free agency. It's like free. It's, go wherever you want. Don't worry about loyalty. Oh, really? That coach recruited you. Told you he put you in a lineup. Yeah, guys play thirty minutes. Score big. I mean, you're going to see some kids wishing they didn't make their moves. I'm looking at some of those rosters that are being formed. Some of these guys who maybe were stars where they're at now, they may end up sitting on the pine and say, what did I do? <laughs> no doubt, Dick. Man, the one and only Dick. And I have the book, the Time Out Baby book. I know you've written half a dozen of them, but that's the one that I read and the bio, and it's fantastic. Your story. So many folks, they only know you from the sideline. But they need to read that book. It's out there. They can read about your life, your bio, what made you who you are, because that is one incredible story, Dick. Keep up the Thank great you. work, man. And, and I'm going to stay in touch because your opinions are invaluable. Well, tell people just go to dickfight.com and they can get any merchandise and anything they buy, whether it's any of my books, my latest book, The Lost Season, anything they buy, hats, basketballs, every dollar, Mike, not 60 cents, not 70 cents. Every dollar that I would make, a check goes to the V Foundation wow, for kids. That is awesome. All right, buddy. I got to get a T.O., baby. <laughs> awesome, Dick. Thank you so much for joining us. Dick Vitale, everybody, the one and only. Wow. And weren't we fortunate to have Dick on the program tonight? I told you we would have Dick. He came along, told a great story, gave us some great background and some great insight as to where college basketball is going. Hey, everybody, I want to thank everybody from Ingles for doing the show tonight. Have a great week. I'll see you later on.